Welcome to the life of Jesus, term three, and this is lesson 25. We're going to begin in chapter four of your book on page 26, and we're going to look at the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a title that has been given to, to God, and I thought it was significant that we look at that um, and see how it relates to Jesus Christ. Because that's who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is. And Jesus is going to have fun with that when he gets to the Gospels. And the religious leaders are going to be so boastful about them being the children of Abraham. And Jesus is going to have a few things to say about that. Okay. So, following the incident at the Tower of Babel, it's a further 204 years before Christ makes his first contact with Abraham, the father of all who walk by faith, whether Jew or Gentile. Now that's really key, that we understand that Abraham isn't the father of the Jews. Abraham is the father of faith. That's what the Apostle Paul makes very clear. In Romans chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, when he says that the circumcision ceremony was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. Alright, so that's a real key. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but not being circumcised. Isn't that lovely? Okay, that's all of us. They are made right with God by faith. Okay, verse 12. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. I think that's really key. It didn't say after he was circumcised. It said before he was circumcised. So obviously that's what was important. Just as it is today, it is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that gets us saved, not the baptism that may follow after. Do you understand? And I said before, you know, all the water in the world isn't going to get you saved. It's your faith in Christ that gets you saved. All the other stuff, sorry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. All of the outward things mean nothing. Alright, that's for us. I always liken it to a marriage ceremony. You know, it is when you make a commitment to the person, heart to heart is when you got married. All the other stuff is to remind you of your commitment. That's all it is. And to, re to remind you that a ceremony took place and that you have obligations now. Okay, you can't just make certain commitments lightly and then walk off when you just feel like, well, it's over now. Let's, I don't feel that way anymore. Let's go on with something else. All right, which is really sad, which is what a lot of people miss. Now, I also understand, and I don't know why I'm going here now, but let's go here for just one moment. Um, you know, I also understand that you know, we live in a, a, a fallen world. You know, and people make mistakes in the people that they choose as well. And you know, some people say, well, you know, you, if you're married, then you, that you have to stay together forever. And I really pray that's the case when you get married. Because you want it to be special and you want it to be forever. But, you know, at the same time, like we all hear God perfectly. 
you know what I'm trying to say? And you know, it may be a time when you just go, this is just not right. This wasn't in God's will. And rather than continue on with a bad thing, find out what God's will is and move on. You know, and that's all I'll say about that. So, but I know people that have, you know, just pursued and persisted and, and both are miserable. You know, because they don't want to look bad in front of people. All right? And, and that's just, yeah. If, it, if that's the case, then it's wrong. All right, back to this. Now, as to when the Lord first spoke to Abraham, still called Abram, is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So, this is 204 years, okay, after the incident at Babel. All right, so it's been 200, so Babel takes place 204 years. That's a long time when you stop and think about it. Okay, that's a couple of generations there. And God has not said anything to nobody, nothing. That's, that's, that's difficult, man. And so suddenly he turns up. So the world has just been going off in their own little merry way, in their own direction, and obviously not so good. And so God comes to Abraham. And he says, get out of your country, this is in Genesis 12, 1, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now again, he says, get, a, get out of your country and get, out, get away from your family. Alright? Now, one of the things that I, I've realized is that sometimes your surroundings, okay, and the people that are around you will stop you from moving into the will of God and being and doing the things that you've been called to do. They won't recognize you and they'll, you know, constantly being keep looking at you as the person you were, not the person you are. And we have to be careful that we don't let people from our past keep us in the past. Do you understand? And if that's the case, then you need to move on. And this is definitely the situation with Abraham. Okay? And he says in verse 2, he says, I will make a great, excuse me, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Now, Ross, which is one of the commentators, says that the word bless essentially conveys spiritual and physical enrichment. Praise God. Okay? When God blesses you, it's spiritual and physical. It's very hard to be blessed spiritually and being dead and be sick and everything's going wrong. You don't feel very blessed. <laughs> Amen? Alright? You know, whenever God blesses you, it is on every level. Amen? Alright? And uh, meaning again that God would give Abram fame and fertility. This is, again, Ross says this, okay? So, he says, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Notice, you shall be a blessing. This is such a key thing. You can't be a blessing if God doesn't bless you. I don't know why people miss that. They're always going, oh no, you know, no Lord, you don't have to give us nothing. Yeah, that means you won't give anybody else nothing either. You selfish thing, <laughs> you know, okay? You can only give what you have. That's a major revelation to some people. Amen? And you know, that's the reason why they just think, oh, I don't want all this stuff. Yeah, you know what that tells me? All you're thinking about is all the stuff you want. And you're not thinking about anybody else that you can help. So you look at yourself and all the stuff that you think you might want and then, well, let's not go there because then we're not humble. And we want to be proud about that. 
Hello. And people are literally proud about their humility. And that's an oxymoron or something. I don't know. It's an, <laughs> all right. Something like that. Okay, so <laughs> moving on, it says, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. Let me just stop there. I know I haven't underlined that one. But let me just say this. You are the children of Abraham in faith. Do you understand? Okay. You are of the same faith. Okay. So whenever God said this, it applies to you as well. I have seen this in my life. I have seen people that have done the wrong thing by me. Okay. I'll just talk about myself. And things haven't gone well for them. Not that I've asked God to go, I, I don't curse people. <laughs> so if you do something bad to me, don't worry, I won't curse you or anything. But, you know, it's just that I've just noticed this. It's, it's because God didn't say, Abraham, if anybody does anything bad to you, you come to me. You let me know, I'll take care of it. Okay, <laughs> it never said that here. It said, it said, I will bless those who bless you. So if somebody blesses you, immediately they'll be blessed. Isn't that interesting? And I've seen that happen. I've seen people that have done good by us. And my goodness, things have just worked out for them. And I think they would never realize and never even comprehend that doing that thing right and, and you know, doing it with a good heart produced a crop. Now that, that's a sowing and reaping thing regardless. It doesn't have to be me or you know, I'm trying to say. But, but there are some people that I, I've just felt and I sense that God's kind of a little extra protective of. I don't know how else to put that without sounding okay. And it's just like, it's almost like don't mess with them. It's going to not be good for you. You know, you understand? And I think that the reason that that happens is, you know, if they are a person that has a good heart and is always sort of giving the benefit of the doubt, and, you know, people are trying to rip them off and stuff, boy, you just, there's certain people you just don't mess with. And that has been a thing for me as well. I have to be careful how I treat people as well. Hey, it works both ways. And I'm very careful when I'm, when, you know, when I'm treating people that I'm not doing anything to hurt them, even accidentally. You know, sometimes we just don't even think. And we think, oh, that should be okay. And next thing is like, boo-hoo-hoo. It's like, oh, that happened. <laughs> you know, that happened a lot in the past in ministry. And I've learned a great deal since then. And we won't make those mistakes again. But, you know, you just sometimes you don't realize sort of the heart necessarily of people wanting to come and help out. And, you know, I didn't realize back then. And again, in context in what I'm talking about here, I didn't realize that sometimes people just want to show their gratitude to God for the things that are happening in their life in what they want to volunteer and do in a church or whatever. You know, it's their way of saying thank you. And for you to go, oh, well, we don't need that, so no thanks anyway, but no thanks. I have learned to say yes to some things we don't need. <laughs> okay? Do you understand? Because that's important for them. That's right. And, and, that, and, and again, I've said no to some things, and to this day, I, I sti they're still in my mind that I should have said yes. Didn't matter whether I needed it or not. It mattered that they were able to give it. That's true. Okay, so I know I reap some bad stuff there, and we learn, and we grow. Anyway. So, getting back to this, it says again, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those, or curse him who curses you, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Alright? Morris says that this promise has justifiably 
been regarded as one of the first promises of the coming Savior, who would bring salvation to all nations. Now, that's the reason why I said we're all a part of Abraham's seed. In Galatians, it tells us that. In fact, uh, it's there. Look down on your page. In Galatians 3.29, it says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, let's back up a little bit. You are Abraham's seed. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed because Christ was a descendant of Abraham. Follow now. And so, because you're in Christ, now you become a descendant of Abraham through Christ. Did you get that? That's right. Okay. It's in your notes, but anyway. Alright? <laughs> so, that's, that's a key thing. You need to understand that. That being the case, guess what? That, that promise has come to pass. In you, all the families of the earth. I'm one of those families. You're one of those families. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Are you seeing the connection? All right. It was, it was written in that Christ was going to come. He was going to be Abraham's seed. We were all going to end up in Christ and be a part of Abraham's family. As much as God's family. Hallelujah. And so that promise is still going on. So don't look. And this is what I want to say to you. Don't look at Israel. And don't look at the Jewish people and think, oh, geez, that promise didn't work out so well, did it? It worked. We're here. All of us. All over the planet. Millions. Billions. I don't know. Okay? It's a lot of us. It took place. Not the way the Jews wanted it to take place, but it took place. Amen? It happened the way God wanted it to happen. So praise God. Okay, let me just read. I've mentioned these things to you, but let me just read through for the sake of continuity and for just to cover it all. The Full Life Study Bible says that this verse therefore serves as a foundation for mission work throughout the world. Notice, all the families on the earth shall be blessed. We need to take the word to all the families in the earth. Get them saved, get them in Christ, become part of Abraham's seed. Okay, this is, the, this is such a key appearance because of the implication it has for all of us, this is what I've just said, who are in Christ and will become heirs according to all that is promised to Abraham. Alright, as brought out in Galatians 3.29. Now, notice that we'll become heirs to all of this because of this promise. Okay, and that's why it says, you know, if you are, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, as we look at Christ's interaction with Abraham, so we need to consider the dual importance of what is taking place. Firstly, the fact that Christ did speak to Abraham. Alright, so these are the two things we need to watch as we read through this. Secondly, the actual promises he made to him. Because they are relevant to us. Alright, so remember again, this is the life of Christ at the end of the day. <laughs> All right? uh, but we're covering some interesting territory along the way and we can't just ignore it. Okay, so beginning in Genesis chapter 12, let's begin our journey now. And verse 7, we see Christ's first actual appearance to Abraham with the, with, uh, the verse saying, Then the Lord appeared to Abram. Alright? Notice he appeared to him. And Morris, again Henry Morris says that we must understand this as a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. So when we see this, we understand it was Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important we understand. He didn't turn up in a manger. That's not his first time here. 
Okay, he created everything and then he walked among his creation. Interesting, isn't it? We're going to see how much he walked among his creation. We've already seen all the instances in the Tower of Babel and so on. But let's read on here. And said, this is um, the Lord, said to Abram, to your descendants I will give this land. All right. Now, Alan P. Ross says that this heavenly visitation was sufficient to sustain Abram in the land of the Canaanite, uh, Canaanites. He had now received personally the direct word from the Lord that the land would belong to his descendants. All right. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Notice the Lord appeared to him. This is the reason why Jesus is going to say at one stage that Abraham saw me and was glad. Okay. I always think that was kind of like a pre what's it? He actually saw him. And we'll see that. We'll read that. Because he's going to, he is going to um, intercede on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's going to be the Lord's face that he's going to be in. Alright. As Henry M. Morris so beautifully puts it, such experiences being blessed by the Lord are common to all those, listen, who seek to follow God's will. Following day by day, trusting God, and knowing that His timing is always right. Amen. Amen? Okay. Sadly, however, because um, Abram did not or did disobey the Lord in taking Lot with him, the Lord doesn't speak to Abram again until Lot finally decides to part ways. Isn't that sad? So Abram, the Lord appears to Abram in Genesis 12, and that's it. Because he disobeyed, he doesn't come back again until he obeys. Let me stop there for a minute. Now some people say, well, God's not talking to me. Go back to the last thing he said. You don't have to have a great memory, just ask the Lord, what did you say, what did I forget? What, where is my disobedience in this? Why are you not talking to me? The Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. Trust me, He's done that with me. Okay, several times I'll just go, what's up? And He'll remind me, I'll go, whoopsies, let's go fix that straight away. And that's the right response, by the way. Don't start arguing with Him, because that's wasting time now. Just go do it. Amen? Obviously, you're not doing it as caused you this problem to start with. So we learn from that and just, amen, go do it. Alright. Sadly, uh, where, where, where are we? Okay, so again, because Abram did disobey the Lord, taking Lot, uh, taking Lot with him, the Lord doesn't speak to him again until Lot finally decides to part ways, which took about six years to happen. And only then does it say, now in Genesis chapter 13, Reading in verses 14 through 17. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Isn't it interesting they put that in? Mm. Alright, so the Lord spoke to Abram, get out of your country, leave your family. Now the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated. See, it tells you, when they mess up, it lets you know. Yeah. Okay, after he, you know, see you later. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Verse 16. Do you understand what's going on here? See, God is making a covenant with Abram, not with Abram and Lot. If Lot was there, Lot would come and say, and what about me? 
Do you get this? That's the reason why God said, hang on a second, I said you, not everybody, just you. This is so important. Lot had to depart because that blessing was for Abram. Okay. Let's move on. Verse 16, And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its breadth, for I give it to you. Now, I've said this here, although from a physical perspective, and we've, I've just covered this previously, it looks like this did not happen. When we look at it from God's perspective, we find that it did. To explain how the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verses, I'll read 7 through 9 and then 29, the real children of Abraham then are all those who put their faith in God. Did you catch that? Okay. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would accept the Gentiles too, on the basis of their faith. God promised this good news to Abraham, or Abraham long ago when he said, watch this, all nations will be blessed through you. You see, the Apostle Paul is now going back and quoting that scripture so that we know that's exactly what it meant and we're not misinterpreting something. Are you all here? I, I, this is where you need to find the Bible supporting itself on what we think it's saying. If it's not there, then, you know, question. You hear me? Okay? But if it's there, then it's there. Verse 9, And so it is. All who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Verse 29, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and now all the promises God gave to him belong to you. Amen. Amen? Okay. In other words, from the moment you receive Jesus Christ, you not only became God's child, but also the child of Abraham, Abraham as well. And with so many receiving Christ worldwide, the promise of Abraham's children becoming countless and covering the earth finally took place. Now, the next significant appearance of Christ is again to Abraham, uh, but this time in a vision, meaning that the Lord can speak to each of us in this way as well, as we'll soon see, um, and actually carry on a conversation with us. It is there in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, that it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, again, he's Abram, not Abraham yet, in a vision, saying, Now, we need to carry that through, because this is a vision. You're going to get lost in it a little bit and think, Oh, I think he's there now. <laughs> okay? This is going to be a vision all the way through. Okay? So follow, it, follow as we read this. He says, came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am. The word I am is a reference to God. He is the great I am. Alright? When, when he gets to, um, we'll see this uh, in Exodus, Moses, he says, Who shall I say sent me? He says, I am. Okay, sent you. You tell them that. Alright, that's why when Jesus uses that terminology in the Gospels, the Jews want to kill him. Because they immediately make the connection to God. Alright? Okay. For us, we go, what's the big deal? He just said, I am. I say, I am all the time. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, not like that. Alright? Alright. So, <clears throat> 
He says again, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield or divine protector, your exceedingly great reward. Morris points out that this is the first of the great I am's of the scripture. Okay, of scripture. Verse 2, but Abram said in the vision, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Verse 3, over the page. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one in my house is, uh, is my heir. In short, without an heir, the matter of inheritance, especially of the exceedingly great reward, would become complicated, needless to say. All right? Since under the prevailing customs, his household servant would become his heir. That was the deal back then, okay? Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, again, this is in the vision, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Which not only included Isaac, but as mentioned, Jesus as well, in whom we all are, and therefore a part of Abraham's own family. Explained all that to you. Then, still in the vision, he brought him outside and said, Look now, see, this is the reason why. When he says he brought him outside, immediately my thought is, okay, we're out of the vision now. But remember, this is still a vision. Okay? So, something is going on in a vision. Now, I don't know if you've had this experience or not. You know, things look very real in a vision. And God can talk to you, and you can go places, and you can do stuff. It's very interesting. And so he says, he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you're able to number them. In the vision, he's doing all of this. He's looking up at the sky in vision. Alright? And said to him, So shall your descendants be. And in the vision, he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Isn't that incredible? Alright? He believed in the Lord. He believed. That's the key. Alright? That's where the blessing is. When you believe, you receive. Amen? Alright. Alan P. Ross says, Abraham or Abram accepted the word of the Lord as re reliable and true. He believed and acted in accordance with it. Consequently, the Lord declared Abram righteous and therefore acceptable. Alright. In relation to this encounter, Henry M. Morris says that it was probably this very occasion to which Jesus referred in John 8.56 when he first identified himself to Abraham as the self-existing God, the one who was able and willing to supply every need in time and eternity with the phrase, I am, spoken in verse 1. That's again back in verse 1 in Genesis 15 in the previous page. Okay, So again we see here how Christ can communicate with us through visions and why once we have asked the Lord for guidance we can fully expect to receive it knowing that it will find its way to us one way or another. Let me just stop there for a minute. So many people say, you know, I've asked God for help but I don't hear Him so well. I don't know if He, you know, I, I don't know when that is and it astonishes, it astounds me, okay, how many ways God will talk to you. And people will miss it. Alright? Uh, I had a very, let me share this with you, just to show you how sometimes you can be led by God and not even realize it. Okay? Um, recently, my son had an excursion. Alright? A note was sent to say that the excursion was going to be leaving the school at 10 o'clock. We dropped them off around 
So we didn't know that in class, one of the classes that he'd missed because he was not well, that the teacher said, no, where are you leaving at 8.30? Okay. And so, oh, quarter two, all right, whatever. And so he goes to school. He goes to his locker. He does his thing. He's just casually going about doing whatever he wants to do. And then he gets to a certain place in the school, and he has to make a decision. It, it's, um, where he needs to go is exactly on the other side of the building that he is next to. Exactly on the other side. All right? So he can go left around to that spot, or he can go right around to that spot. It's the same distance. He drew us a map. Okay. <laughs> I didn't explaining this. And he said, he said, Dad, I could have gone either way. And I just thought, I'll just go this way. And because he went that way, as he came around that block, the bus was driving off and somebody spotted him. Had he gone the other way, the bus would have been on the road and off without spotting him at all. And he said, wow, can you imagine if I had gone the other way, I would have missed the excursion. But something just said, go this way. And I just, I just decided I'm just going to go this way. I said, isn't God good? <laughs> okay, all right. That's how natural it seems when God talks. God will talk to you in such a natural way that you don't even realize it's God. You think it's your good idea. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those little things that you hear and you decide, I think I'll do that today. Thinking it's all you. God has just moved you in that direction. Absolutely. Do you know why? Because you, he, you asked Him to lead you and guide you through your day. And He will honor that prayer every single time. And you don't have to have a bush suddenly burst into flames and God says, go the other way. <laughs> okay? It doesn't ha People are looking for that, but it doesn't happen that way. Alright? Because the greater is He that lives in you. Amen? Alright? And He'll lead you and He'll guide you and the Holy Spirit is there as your guide. And this is something that I think we just keep missing all the time. God is constantly talking to us. Are we listening? Are we acknowledging Him? I have learned to say thank you for everything good. Because the Bible said to me, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So if it's good, it's Him. If it's bad, I blame the other guy. And the only time that I, something won't work for me is if it's going to be bad for me. I know that. Do you hear me? And so sometimes even if I'm frustrated about something, I'll back off and go, this is not going to be for my good. What is it? What's up? And he'll always let me know somewhere along the way. Patience is required some days. All right. As we move forward, the next important appearance of Christ is in the very next chapter when Sarai gives Hagar to Abram to have kids with. And once Hagar is pregnant, she begins to treat Sarai with contempt. And in an effort to end the strife, Hagar is cast out. Capsule summary. Okay, because I don't want to go through all of that. You all know that? You all know that story? Okay, all right. It's amazing how those things happen. And while in the desert, the Lord appears to Hagar, meaning that even the Arabs owe their life to Jesus Christ. Had she died, no Arabs. Stop for a minute and think about that. She could have very well, that would have been the end of her. And that would have been the end. Okay. And it says in Genesis chapter 16, verses 11 through 13, we we'll, might have to come back to this. 
over the page, and the angel of the Lord, who is later identified as the Lord God, said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Stop for a minute. Who named this kid? God, Jesus Christ named the kid. Did you get that? The Lord named the kid. Alright, wasn't Hagar. He knew who he was and he named him. This is a key thing because understand the whole Arab nation was named by Jesus. Hello. They owe their life and their father's name to him. Just a thought, just a thought. I don't want to miss these things as we go past, because, you know, we miss stuff. Alright, <laughs> so moving on. And it says, because the Lord has heard your affliction. So notice here it says that the Lord named this child again. Alright, and verse 12, he shall be a wild man. He shall, uh, his hand shall be against every man, every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord. Uh, to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. Alright? Meaning that Hagar not only recognized the angel as God, but this name also signifies that God saw and responded to Abraham and Sarai's unjust treatment of Hagar. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Interesting, isn't it? I have now seen the one who sees me. She hadn't seen him before. He had appeared to Abram, never to her. Alright, now he appears to her. And that is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Now, we're going to have to leave it there because I have run out of time. We'll pick up on that verse in the next session. Take a break. <laughs>